Hello, and welcome to episode 203 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. A warm welcome to Michelle T., Connie C., and Kathleen H. to The Modern Manager community. If you haven't yet subscribed to my weekly newsletter, I want to remind you that when you do, you get the episode, related blog article, and transcript sent directly to your inbox. And if you become a member, depending on the level you choose, you'll also get episode guides, guest bonuses, and the opportunity to meet with me every month during our group Q&A calls, where I and other managers gather to tackle the questions and challenges that you are experiencing so we can help each other find a path forward. To get on the email list or to become a member, go to themodernmanager.com. Today's guest is Teresa Mitrovic. Teresa is the founder of ORO Collective, as well as a consultant, coach, course creator, and author specializing in performance, psychological safety, and trust. In her past life as a corporate leader, when the increasing demands of senior leadership clashed with single parenthood, Teresa pivoted her career to coaching leaders. Teresa and I talk about psychological safety and how to foster an environment in which people speak up, give feedback, show up authentically, and act without fear. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. It's such a pleasure to be speaking with you today, Teresa. Thank you so much for waking up so early on the other side of the earth to, t- to join me. It's such a pleasure to be here, Mamie. Thanks for, thanks for having me. All right, we're going to just dive right in because psychological safety is a very big, meaty topic. So mm-hmm. why don't we start with just some basic definitions? How do you define or what do you think of as psychological safety? So, and and that's a really great question to start with. It's psychological safety is a concept that's been popularized by uh, primarily Amy Edmondson. And it's often seen as the capacity to feel as though you can really speak up, become vulnerable in, in the presence of your teammates and your boss without fear of judgment or create, you know, making a career limiting move. So when we think traditionally about psychological safety, we're thinking about the ability to feel confident or at least comfortable in speaking up and sharing our thoughts, our ideas, our concerns, our point of view, without feeling or, without, or knowing that people aren't going to judge us, they'll just be curious. I like to take it a step further as well, though, and, and think about you know, breaking psychological safety down into its component parts. So safety being that sense that actually you can take action. You, you, you don't have to hold yourself tight and close. You can actually take action. You're safe to, to advance, to move, to breathe. And psychological being you know, the function in your mind, how you're thinking, how you're processing, what you're hearing, how you're making sense of the world around you. So as well as being this kind of dynamic that we experience at work, if we look at it at its absolute core, psychological safety is you know, in, in, in real basic terms, it's the opposite of psychological stress, right? Psychological stress keeps us feeling tight, constrained, protective. We want to naturally withdraw and, and keep ourselves to ourselves because, because there's just so much going on. We just need to be able to deal with what is. We just need to be able to cope and manage. Whereas when we're feeling psychologically safe, then we start to actually reach out and we start to engage with the world and we start to, to lean in a little bit more and What's really interesting is the difference for us 
psychologically and neurologically is that when we feel psychologically safe, the energy in our brain moves into our prefrontal cortex, which is where our executive functioning sits. And I know you've done you've done um, some work around executive functions as well, mainly. But when we're feeling psychologically safe, that's we that's the space that we we're able to inhabit. And that space is where we start to feel like we're really kind of moving towards things. We we feel curious and engaged. We're able to be more courageous and creative. That's where our adaptivity and resilience comes from. You know, that, that's a place of really creative tension. And that's what, you know, we can, we can refer to as our connect mode. That's when humans are operating in connect mode. When we feel psychologically unsafe, we get pulled back into our limbic brain, which is a space that we inhabit when we're having that experience of fight, flight, or freeze. You know, it's that it's that it's that experience of let's hold tight, let's wait, let's assess the situation. It doesn't feel safe right now. And when we're in that limbic part of our brain, that's where we start to get really fixed in our mindsets. The tension that we're experiencing isn't creative, it becomes emotional. We are very oriented around speed and urgency because we're trying to solve a problem as fast as we can. So rather than thinking about a breadth of responses and being really creative and big picture thinking, we go to what is easy and what is fast. So it's real quick, dirty reactions. We can get really short term in our thinking and really siloed. And yeah, that's what we experience as our fight, flight and freeze mode. And that's that's kind of from a human perspective, that's us in protect mode. So if you think of it in terms of humans basically have two operating functions at, at our absolute basic level, we've got connect mode and protect mode. Protect mode is when we start to shut down. That's when we're feeling psychologically stressed and we're just trying to get out of the situation that's causing us stress. Connect mode is when we're starting to open up and engage differently with the world around us and start to think more constructively, more creatively, more developmentally. So psychological safety is is the ability to step into that connect mode and to start utilizing our executive brain. So it's really about being able to act without fear of committing a career limiting move without being judged negatively for it by our peers or people who kind of shape our careers. And it's also about knowing that it's not dangerous or ostracizing to to speak up and share what's on your mind. So I I really like this framing that we we exist kind of in two main modes, one where we are constrained and fearful of how others might perceive our actions or the consequences of us speaking up, and then one in which we feel safe and empowered to take action, to share our thoughts, to engage, and knowing that others will not judge us or Mm -hmm. there will not be negative consequences for us stepping into that into that world. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about managers and teams where mm-hmm. you know we do so much to build relationships with our team members and to try to create an environment where they feel like they can speak up and they can connect and they can share and they can take action, they can make mistakes and they're not going to be judged for it. And mm-hmm. yet, I'm also thinking about my own experience in team situations and when there's power dynamics that mm-hmm. it's really hard. We do all of these things and yet people still, they don't speak up. They still uh-huh. like are afraid to speak truth to power, right? To give their boss feedback. They're still yeah. like, so, you know, how do we, how do we deal with that? What do we do? It seems like it's just human <laughs> nature to, to stay in that kind of flight, fight or flight mode and not to actually step into the connect, even when all the ingredients are there. 
Absolutely. It's such a good question, Mamie. And it's so true, right? We as, like, I, I, I had a, a senior management, a senior leadership career for 18 years before I got into this line of work. And I know I'm intimately familiar with, you know, doing, like bending over backwards, trying to do everything that you can to create this incredible environment where people feel safe to speak up. And yet still, you know, people hold back and they, and you can see, you can see them not, you know, you can see them not really opening up. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you an answer that's going to feel so simple, but it's really going to seem pedestrian and, and completely you know, almost devoid of power, but it's not. So the simple answer to that is call it out and find out what is missing. Because whenever there is someone, when you, when you get that sense, and as managers, if you're paying attention, you can get a sense of people who are kind of withholding, right? People who are, who are holding back and not really opening up and saying things, not really participating in the way that you know they're capable of participating. And so the first thing to do is to to call it out in a really safe way. So that means you know if someone's fe- if someone's not in a place of uh, psychological safety, if they're, if they're in connect mode, then the last thing you want to do is increase that sense of fear by calling them out in front of others, right? So what you can do is have a side conversation with them, and not one of those you know come see me in my office kinds of conversations, but more of a Hey, I noticed that you're um, hesitant to speak up. And what we're really, what we're looking for is for you to feel really comfortable leaning in because your opinion really matters. So sometimes there are things going on for people behind the scenes that we're not aware of, and that can inhibit their ability to speak up or show up in the way that we believe they're capable of in a workspace. And this is particularly true of people who are having a really tough time at work, who are going through some really deep psychological experiences, or people who have. Uh, some people from different cultures build relationships, build relationships and build trust differently. People who have experienced trauma or ambiguous loss can experience trust differently as well. I'm talking about trust here because psychological safety and trust have a really close relationship with each other. And we'll touch on that later on in the conversation, I hope as well. But psychological safety is a precursor to trust, right? So when we're talking about people speaking up at work, if they don't feel psychologically safe, then they don't trust themselves or each other in the environment that they're in, and therefore they won't um, they won't contribute. They won't participate. And so a manager's role is to help them con- con- participate by feeling safe enough to trust the people that they're with. As a manager, you can't really control someone's level of psychological safety. All you can do is create the environment for it. So whilst you can take your employee aside or your team member aside and just say, hey, look, I notice that you're not speaking up. What's going on for you right now that's making you want to hold tight? You know, what's What's happening that's keeping you quiet? Because we really need you, your voice really matters. Your perspective, your view really matters. This is particularly true when you've got a diverse team membership where you rely uh, rely on the difference of opinions to make sure that you have robust plans. So taking someone aside and just understanding what's going on for them as a human being and what as a manager you can do to help create a safer environment for them to start stepping up or showing up. And if you are in a meeting with a team member who you know is holding back and you feel as though you can safely go there, then you can also ask questions like, hey, maybe I'm really interested in your opinion. You have really great insight when it comes to leaders and managers who are working who, who are working with their teams and trying to understand how executive functions work. What else would you add to this? Or what can you see that we're not seeing right now? And so you can invite them in when you're in the conversation and you can have a side conversation with them quietly and discreetly away from from the group environment to understand a little bit more about what's going on for them. 
But there's a third thing I'd say here, and that is that as a manager, one of the best things that you can do is stay, is just pay attention to how your team are engaging. Because so frequently as managers, we're focused on getting the tasks completed, reaching our goals, reaching our targets, trafficking all the work. We forget about the people who are actually shouldering those workloads and those commitments. And if we don't make sure that people are feeling, uh, if we've got a workforce who are focused on protect mode, then they're not going to be able to fully engage in the work in the way that people who are in connect mode do. So our job as managers is to pay attention and notice when people are veering more into protect mode, because that's a sign that they're not feeling safe about something, that something's changing, they don't feel fully informed, they're not clear, they're picking up a risk that they may not have articulated it, they may not have even understood it, but psychologically, when you see a team or a team member in protect mode, that's a psychological sign to a manager that they are sensing risk. Even if they are not consciously aware of it, there is a risk that's preventing them from stepping up. And as managers, it's our job to understand what that risk is so that we can either mitigate it, remove it, or help them to make sense of it so that they, we can remove that barrier to them performing and engaging and connecting with the work, but also with their peers and with us as well. Wow, you just said so many so many great things. I want to like backtrack for a second here. Sure. So, so I want to start with this idea of like having a side conversation. And I, I love this framing to be able to just ask someone like, hey, you know, I want to hear from you. You know, I, your voice really matters. And like really being mm-hmm. explicit because so many times I have experienced that we kind of it's almost like we say it on a whim, like everyone's voice matters, but actually making someone really hear and feel that their voice matters is really mm. important. And sometimes it really does take a direct conversation to mm. help someone really feel that you do want them to speak up and that you do want them to talk. And I, I had a recent experience that I want to share where I was supervising a team temporarily while they were having a leadership transition and mm-hmm. the previous leader was really challenging for the team to work with. And Mm -hmm. I was kind of tangentially supportive of the team during this time. And no one said anything to me about how challenging it was to work with this person. Mm. And I found out later on how terrible it was. And it was really, you know, I was really disappointed. And I said to the team afterwards when we were having our um, some conversations about how I was going to support them going forward during their transition. Mm -hmm. And... I said, I'm really disappointed in myself that I didn't create an environment where you felt safe coming and telling me that this was all going on, that I Mm -hmm. had to find out so late in the process where already so much harm had been done. And I wish you would have come to me earlier because that that's not cool with me. Like, I don't want to create an environment where people are really stressed at work and it's, you know, not a fun place where people can come and be engaged and do good work. And whatever it was that I was doing or hadn't done, didn't create a feeling for those team members that they could come and talk to me about their boss, even though we had a relationship Mm -hmm. and even though it would have been appropriate for them to do that. They would not have been stepping outside the bounds of their role. So Mm -hmm. all of that is to say is that sometimes having that side conversation and taking ownership over your role in the situation to be able to say, if there's something that I'm doing or not doing that could be Mm -hmm. different, that would make you Mm -hmm. feel more comfortable, Like, Mm -hmm. I want to create that environment. And sometimes I just need a little help to do that. So please Mm -hmm. know that I care. I want to hear from you. I want to create an environment where you feel safe. And we have to figure out how we can own our 
behavior, right? Are we doing things like putting ideas down, right? We ask for ideas, but then we put them down. Or we say voices matter and then we totally ignore, right? Whatever anyone said. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's right. There's just, there's so much here. Okay. So that was my little side note. (laughs) (laughs) And I almost want to dive in there and answer some of those things because you've, because what you've touched on, Mamie, this experience that we all have as managers, right? We think we create it and we're doing everything that we think is working to create an environment where people know that they can speak up. Well, we, so, and I think of this always as being a performance partnership, right? Like manager, we can't be successful as managers and leaders unless our team are set up to be successful as well. But there's, it's, you know, it, what strikes me over and over and over is this pervasiveness of how we've been conditioned to behave as managers and how we've been conditioned to behave as employees. So, so there's a, I mean, my, my experience is primarily corporate, right? So in my experience as a manager, you acted a certain way, you always had all the answers, you know, you ran a tight ship. And if you're an employee, you had to be really careful not to rock the boat. You had to be very careful about how you coached any concerns or any insights that might be contrary to the the, the direction of travel. You know, you had to be very careful about how you brokered conversations. And in a world where most of us are working in a knowledge economy, it's become a, a rod for our back. It's not, um, it's not actually a conducive way to doing business these days. And it's certainly not the way that humans work. So what we're talking about is a shift in mindset and a shift in behavior. And this is probably why you were quite, you were quite aware of that dichotomy, Mamie, because you, you're a coach now. So you understand the difference between full participation and full experience. And you, and you are absolutely willing and open to get that feedback from people because as coaches we create the space where it's you know this is a learning this is a space of learning and experimentation and discovery so bring it all out to the table because we can't fix a problem we can't see we can't close a gap that we're not aware of you know so let's get it all out on the table and and start to work at, so, so that we can work to close the gaps that we can see but we can also actually see this huge wealth of resources that we're sitting on that we may have actually become unattuned to because we've been so desensitized by having to just show up and plug in and deliver every day. So, you know, the the short answer is we need to, as managers, shift our mindsets and our behaviors so that we feel comfortable being vulnerable, but also so that we're changing the way that we talk and engage with our own teams because there's a lot of programming that comes out and look if you're a parent you'll know this right you'll you know when we were kids growing up we'd say i'm never going to treat my kids like that and then we become parents and in those really tense moments you find yourself saying something and you're like oh my goodness that was my mother speaking or my father speaking the very things that we said we would never say and that has parallels to how we are as managers you know as managers we've got targets that we need to meet and if we don't meet them the lights do not stay on or the team do not stay employed and so it's high stakes so we move into this task-oriented mentality rather than thinking about the human side of the equation as well and so one of the biggest mindset shifts that we need to make is to balance both of those things to think about what are the targets that we're looking for but then what are the behaviors that I need to help cultivate in my team as you know, as a manager, as the person with the loudest voice at the table. What is the environment that I need to cultivate so that these guys can actually start behaving in a way that's going to realize those outcomes? And that's really important because it's you know, you mentioned something earlier around, you know, that you really wanted the team you'd and you'd created this environment where the team could actually could speak up, right? So you you absolutely wanted them to be 
candid about what had been going on for them so that you could give them a better experience during this tran- transitory period. And uh, it's what, and it's one thing for us to create those environments, but people don't trust them at first blush. As humans, we only trust what we know to be true, right? And so we have to feel it before we will change our behavior. And that's one of the biggest tests for managers is that we, it's not enough to kind of to, to, to say, hey, I really want everyone to speak up and, and everyone's voice matters. You've got to also then show them. So it's almost a case of don't tell them, show them. And what that looks like in a meeting is if someone is brave enough to speak up and say, well, actually our past manager was really controlling. The first thing that you say back to them is, hey, thank you so much for being the first person to pierce the tension in the air and call out the elephant in the room and get us started on this conversation. Thanks for being, thanks for going first. It's a brave move. And this is the kind of conversation that we need to be having so that we can solve the real problems here. Oh, I'd love, I'm so glad you said that, that right, if we're asking for our team to speak up, then we need to celebrate it when they do. And Absolutely. to acknowledge that it's not always easy and it's okay to say like, thank you for taking the first step. Thank you for being brave. Thank you mm. for opening this conversation. Thank you for giving mm. me feedback, right? Mm. Whatever it is, just say thank you, acknowledge it, celebrate it. Exactly, because it doesn't need to, and here's the thing, right? Other people's opinions don't need to equate to our own for them to be valid. Everybody's opinion is valid because it's a reflection of their own lived experience, their own viewpoint, their own worldview, right? And so we need to be able to hear it and not not pay lip service to it, but to really hear it and say, hey, thanks for that. That's a really, and listen, you can say things like, that's a really interesting perspective if you think that it's crazy and really left field and you weren't expecting it. And look, you can even say, wow, that's a really interesting perspective. And to be honest, I wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting something to come from that direction, but that's real food for thought. And you, so you don't have to be okay with everything. You don't have to address everything. So if someone says something that's really uncomfortable, you can even say, wow, that's a really uncomfortable truth for me to hear. So if someone, if I was in a group and someone said, look, I think that, and and I've been in workshops where people have said, hey, it's really, that's really uncomfortable. You know, we're in the middle of this really difficult project right now. And uh, and in fact, actually, I was doing a, a, a workshop called Plot Twist with a university, and we were talking about learning and adapting through change but I wasn't able to use the word resilience because resilience has been so overused through the past few years that it had become almost, it felt almost weaponized. People were starting to feel as though resilience was being equated with, look, you just need to be able to suck this up and get on with it. You know, you just need to be able to figure out how to sustain this, this um, never ending ambiguity and changing landscape and hold it together. And so at the very front of the workshop, I said to them, there are some things that are going to be uncomfortable here, but I I also want to encourage you guys and invite you to speak up and tell me if there is anything here that you feel uncomfortable with, you can step in as deeply as you wish. You can hold back if you feel like you want to just sit, you're not ready to engage. But people, if, if people say things to me in a workshop, like actually this feels like it's really uncomfortable territory for us then you can speak to that and you can say it is, you know, thank you for saying that it is really uncomfortable. And that's part of why we need to bring it out because otherwise you sit with that discomfort on your own. And I can guarantee you that if you're feeling uncomfortable, someone else around the table is feeling uncomfortable too. So thanks for being the first person to talk about it. And so you don't have to make everything okay for everyone. It's enough to acknowledge it, to say thank you. And if it's something that feels really big, you can always say, hey, look, let's, you know, that's a, that's a really big topic that we might not have time to go into today, but I don't want to lose it either. Can you let me sit with it for a little while and, 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 and think about it? And maybe we can touch base, but let's come back to that in our next meeting together. 
once we've had a bit of time to, to digest and think about it and talk about it a little bit more. So it's all in the way that you create this rhythm of communicating with your team around it's okay for you to speak up because I'm not going to I'm not going to shut you down. I'm not going to dismiss what you're what you're thinking or what you're expressing. I'm going to hear it. I'm going to acknowledge you for saying it and having the having the guts to say it and be and be candid. So I'm going to, I'm going to acknowledge the courageousness. I'm going to acknowledge the statement and I'm going to say to you whether we you know, you're going to hear from me whether we're weaving that into the next stage of the conversation or whether we're going to revisit it later. And if I don't understand I'm going to ask you more questions. So people don't care about what we say they care about what we do so as leaders we've got to be really conscious of that and look it takes practice but we need to be able to create this cadence and this rhythm in our conversation where we make it okay for people to bring their their thoughts to the table and that doesn't mean that people can bring damaging thoughts to the table so if someone speaks up in a way that feels damaging to someone else then it's equally okay to catch them in that moment and say i love that you're stepping up and that you're saying something it sounds like it's quite a direct, uh, that sounds like a, pers- like a direct piece of feedback for someone as opposed to um, like, what could we be doing differently? So instead of, hey, this is what's wrong, let's flip that on the head and go, okay, so if we've got a gap, if we've acknowledged that there is a gap or an issue here, what would good look like? What does better look like? What, you know, how do we want to flip that on its head? Because wherever there is a problem, there is also a possibility. So whenever, you know, because one of the hard things for managers is when you're inviting people to speak up, sometimes you hear from people who are quite negatively oriented, shall we say. And that's okay as well. We don't want them to feel shut down because we need to be able to show the team that everyone's voice genuinely does matter and that no one's going to be ostracized. So it becomes about, great, so that's a really good problem or that's a really big problem that you're experiencing. What does the flip side of that look like? What is the possibility that exists within that problem? What do we want to do about it? Because some problems are temporary. Some problems are ingrained. Some problems are actually indicative of some serious risk further down the road. And so we actually do need to see those things. We need to come out of the woodwork, but it's up to us as managers to decide how we then use that information for good and for developmental and learning purposes so that we become as a team and as a business stronger, more robust and more experienced and more able to have these tough conversations with each other early so that the tension that we would usually be holding on to if we stay in protect mode gets released. So rather than staying in protect mode, we're releasing that tension and people can move into connect mode faster. So I I want to go down this path for just a second around the team environment, because we've been talking a lot about what managers need to do to create psychological safety, but we're not the only one in the room all the time. (laughs) We're not the only one who has relationships. And sometimes it's not what we're doing, or it's not fear that we're going to be the critical person, or we're going to put down their ideas, but that Mm. someone else around the table is, that there's another team member who is always that critic who's always judging people for their ideas or Mm. is always Mm. the one who's kind of, you know, creating an environment where people don't want to speak up because they don't want to deal with that person's marks or that person's glares or that person's Mm. whatevers. Mm. So I'm wondering if there are approaches that you've seen or suggest for creating that team environment where people really understand how they're showing up and kind of what they're doing and contributing to create a psychologically safe team environment. Absolutely. So, and there are a number of things that people can do here, but one of the most important things is when you're in a, when you're in a group environment, in a team environment, and you've got 
you know, a disruptive team member or a team member who speaks up and is actually quite disruptive and quite, you know, kind of agitates or offends others, the first thing that you can do as a manager, and this is one of the most difficult things to do, but it's also really powerful because of the way that it releases tension in the room, is you can say, you can depending on, and you can go in one or two directions here, you can say, okay, so thanks for speaking up. Whilst it's really important to hear your concerns, um, I just want to catch you around the way that you expressed them. And this is where you can start thinking about the difference between creative tension and emotional tension and the difference in the way that we debate things and the way that we have conversations about things because we we can take a, we can take a difficult topic and weaponize it or examine it together. And as managers, what we're trying to do is get those people who can who can kind of throw little hand grenades into, into group conversations. We're trying to call them out on their behavior. And, and this sounds strange because I'm talking about psychological safety and I'm about to say, call them out in front of everyone, but you don't call them out in front of everyone in a way that, that is finger pointing and blame, naming, shaming and blaming. You're, you're catching them and saying, hey, so there is part of this that, that, we, that you're getting right and there is part of this that actually isn't conducive to us functioning well as a team. So, hey, thanks for speaking up. How would you rephrase that so that rather than thinking about the emotional heat in it, you're talking about how this is going to be, how this could be an opportunity for us? Or you know, you, or you can say to them, hey, that's, you've raised a good point in the sense that there's some tension here. Can I encourage you just to take a moment to think about what the positive flip side of that would look like and share that with us so that we've got some suggestions around things that we can be doing differently rather than things that are going wrong. I, I think that's so helpful to think about, you know, asking people in the moment because right, part of creating psychological safety is letting our team members know that we are not going to allow poor or negative or damaging behavior to yeah. continue on. So when someone is being hypercritical, I'm imagining a conversation I was in a, a while ago where I unfortunately didn't speak up and I probably should have. Mm. And someone was like, that's a terrible idea. Da, da, da. And they were like really a, in, in a very aggressive way putting down an idea. And I remember feeling like very caught off guard because it wasn't what I was anticipating was going to happen in this conversation. Yeah. And and at the time, I don't think I had the the mental presence or the the comfort to be able to speak up and say, wait a second here, like before we we tear this idea apart, like let's hold judgment for a minute and mm-hmm. let's like just like look at this idea on its and on its face mm-hmm. and let's mm-hmm. list out what might work, what might be challenging. Right. We don't mm-hmm. need to be critical. We don't need to use words that is things like that's a terrible idea. We can just say, hey, that idea has I see some potential watch outs, right? I see some concerns or this this part makes me nervous. So yeah. acknowledging it in the moment is so important. And then having that conversation, as you said before, pulling someone aside and saying, hey, the way that you're showing up, I love that you're being critical. I love that you're just, you're voicing concerns and dissenting opinions because that's what we need to make these ideas stronger. But the way you're doing it isn't feeling so good. Yeah, and it's important to have it's it's important to have both of those conversations, right? Have the conversation in the group where people can see that that damaging behavior is getting caught and corrected. And to your point, unpick it, unpicking that with people at the table and saying, so you've raised a really great point. Let's try to understand that better and see how we can use that, how we can learn from it. Another conversation quietly with them and saying, your voice is really important. And when you raise these concerns, we really need to understand the the risk that sits inside of them. But, you know, we have a better chance of doing that. If 
we are listening to you openly and we can only do that if it doesn't come across as aggressive. Because the challenge when you're having a one-to-one conversation with someone who is who can be a little bit reactive like that or who can be quite um, dismissive of other people is that they won't realise, I mean, they're showing you that they don't have a lot of self-awareness, right? They're not able to regulate their emotions or their behaviour or their composure in a group meeting. So taking them aside and saying, your, your view really matters. We need the dissenting opinions. We also need them to come in in a way that actually gives us material that we can work with constructively. Because when you bring in things that that feel like actually you know, it's it's blaming or accusing, then people get defensive and they stop hearing and it, it ceases to be a moment that we can learn from. That's so great. All right. So unfortunately, we're running out of time. So we have to shift mm-hmm. to our end. So can you tell us, Teresa, about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person so fantastic? Absolutely. So the, the manager that I worked for who was amazing was actually a manager that I worked for in London when I was working at Universal Pictures. And she was everything that you would hope a manager could be in that she gave me a great sense of autonomy. She was always really clear on the expectations, but she she allowed me to come up with the strategy for how those expectations would be delivered. So she was a perfect manager from a psych safety or psychologically safe performance perspective because what she did was give me incredible clarity around what was expected of me, both in terms of outcomes, but in terms of how I was showing up and and the relationships that I would be managing and how best to manage those. And then also she cleared the path for me as well. So we would have regular one-to-ones. We, and this is another thing, right? Having touch points with your team to make sure that you are creating space for them to perform 100% well. So removing ambiguity where you can, creating a degree of certainty around expectations, staying in touch with them around what's changing, but also checking around what's working for them, what's not, what additional support they need, any advisory, any access to other people or equipment. And she did all of those things really, really well. So I remember sitting down with her for my first one-to-one and me, you know, with my long list of all the things that I've been trafficking and and her saying, okay, so that's an operational update. What it, you know, Let's move into our one-to-one now. And the one-to-one conversations that she was doing, this is what I advocate to the clients that I work with now as well, was more around the lines of what's working, what's not, what do you want to be doing differently and how can I help? And so we had regular touch points that were developmental in nature, but they also, by virtue of being developmental and asking me, you know, what's working, what's not, where, where could you use some additional support or or even challenge and stretch? And she was helping me to think about how I was doing my job. So she was encouraging me to really kind of develop more self-leadership, um, more agency, more autonomy. She was also then able to feed back to me around the things that she thought I was doing really well, things I could be doing more of or differently and things she thought I could let go of. So it became a conversation that was really about great performance, but it wasn't just about the outcomes. It was it was a holistic kind of view of performance. It was about the outcomes that you're getting and how you're getting them. So the way that you are thinking and behaving that's leading to those outcomes. And that was absolutely perfect. And outside of that, she kind of, she, she let me run. And the impact of that was that I felt supported. I felt challenged. I knew that I could go to her with questions, but we spent a lot, we, we spent very little time talking about problems and a great deal of time talking about growth and expansion and possibilities and opportunities. And actually the only difference from any other role I'd been in was the way that she was approaching it. 
So the way that she set it up from a perspective of with every problem there is a there there is possibility and potential. So bring to me what you see, what you're experiencing, but also what you, you know, as, as tension and a problem, but also what you see on the other side so that we can make that happen. And so it was this perfect combination of clarity and precision of here's what we need to achieve, but then also giving me the room to achieve it with this kind of backstop of accountability as well. And that's, I think, the challenge for, for managers is, is creating this environment where you're stripping all the uncertainty and ambiguity out of someone's role, but you are saying to them, with you're here because of your skills, your experience, and your attitude, and we want to see you fly in this role. So we're going to give you, we're going to signpost the things that we need to see happening, and we're going to tell you ultimately the value that you're here to add, and then we're going to help clear the way and give you the support that you need to make those things happen in the best way possible. And that ultimately is what psychologically safe performance is about. Oh my gosh, amazing. And <laughs> where can people learn more about you and keep up with your work? So. You can, people can find me at orocollective.space online and orocollective on LinkedIn if they want to come and join us there. So those are two best places to find us. But we also have a special offer for modern manager listeners as well. So if people want to jump across to orocollective.space forward slash the modern manager, all one word, um, they'll see a 30-day team reset, which is basically a high-performance, trust-based system to reset performance and culture in your team in 30 days. Awesome. And we will have those links in the show notes for anyone listening who wants to find them. So thank you so much for joining me. This was such a full and robust conversation. I so appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Mamie. I really appreciate um, having the conversation with you. It's been great. Teresa has made her Coaching as a Manager guide available to members of the Modern Manager community. This video walkthrough will help you refine the relationship you have with your team and begin the process of converting emotional tension into creative tension while helping your team to learn, fail, and continually develop with greater psychological safety. To get this guest bonus and many others, you must be a member at the Sprout level or above. To join, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. And if you work for a government or nonprofit agency, you get 20% off of any membership level. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.